and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights. Today, we're going to be talking about the big game, private brands versus national brands at CPG Retail. And in a world where sports marketing isn't quite what we had hoped it would be at this time of year, maybe this is the game we're going to be looking at, right? Um, To help me have this conversation today is Korean Thomas, the Chief Operating Officer of Retail here at IRI. Um, Kurian has been on this podcast with me before, so I'm very happy to welcome you back. Hi, Kurian. Hi, Joan. I'm excited to be back. Thanks. Um, Kurian, you've, you've described yourself as a value shopper, always yep. thinking about the benefits and experience of products relative to price. Um, you're, I know you're loyal to some national brands, but also some private label brands. Um, and here for our listeners, I just want to clarify that when we talk about private brands or private label um, retailers might refer to them as own brands. Um, so we're going to kind of interchange while we talk. But Korean, start by telling us like what drives your choice of private brands and maybe share some of your discoveries with us. Yeah. I, I like to explore and try new things. So my family tries hard not to send me to the store myself <laughs> because I come back with like 10, 15 things that are never on the list. Um, but I discovery is a big thing for me. And I try both new national brands and private brands. But one of the places we shop is Trader Joe's. And they just, I mean, they're private brand focused, obviously. And I'm a, I love chocolate. So I'm always trying new stuff, uh, new things in the chocolate aisle. And, you know, I introduce my family, I should say, to their dark chocolate uh, covered almonds. And now it's a family favorite. And uh, and every time I go, I'll try something new, and then I'll, I'll I'll get my hands slapped for trying it. But every now and then, they like something I do, right? So just discovering and finding those uh, products that are great quality or value. And value for me is a is a combination of you know how it looks on the shelf, the the experience tasting it, and obviously the price that goes with it. Good. So maybe so. you're actually teaching teaching your children about the joys of discovery too. So I like Exactly. That. Yeah. Like that. It's fun know. shopping a grocery store. It is, you know, and I I feel bad in this in this recession in this health crisis that you know our our discovery is down definitely. You yes, know, people are sticking to their list and they're kind of beelining it. So I'm glad that you with your comfort and your your safety in the store are able to still like hunt out a couple of new products. So that's great. Six, six feet apart, mask on. There you go. There you go. Hand sanitizer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about what sparked, you know, the, the work that you're doing now um, in private brands. Yeah, we were in a meeting with uh, one of our retail clients in April Um and noticed that in preparing for the meeting and presenting to them that their national brands ran out of stock 
sooner than their private brands. And they had four to five, this was through the panic buying, right? In March and April, they had four to five weeks longer of of, uh, private brands in stock than their national brands, which in that case helped them a lot. But it got me thinking about how you manage the portfolio of national brands and private brands, especially through the surge and the chaos that we saw through the panic buying, and we at some level continue to see through this pandemic. And as a result of that, I, you know, I had the team start digging into it and looking into it, and we found some really interesting things uh, that were, you know, and that's what we're about. going to be talking about today, right? Yes. Um. So I guess to kind of set that table, like. Talk to us a little bit about the growth that we've seen in private brands over the past couple of years. Like we would anticipate that with a recession, you know, that private brands have grown significantly. Um, we know that happened in the last recession, right? It was probably not, not quite a full percentage point, but in the grand scheme, that's significant. And we also know that a lot of these retailers have invested heavily in private brands since the last recession. So we think that we'd be in a really good position right now. So tell us about that. Yeah, private brands have done really well the last few years. I think especially starting 2017 and through um <clears throat> you know through the um through the last recession, right? They've outpaced national brands uh, every year 2017, 2018, 2019 to the point where private brand share of total store at the start of 2020 was 16.1%, a whole 1.5 percentage points higher than it was in 2017. That is quite significant across the store. Now, there are obviously variations by category, uh, but overall, we've seen in those three years that private brands outpaced national brands in 50 out of 70 aisles in the store. That is really strong performance, right? And that is no accident. Uh, you know, retailers have invested in their private brands and as a way also to drive loyalty and something distinctive and unique uh, with their shoppers, right? So Kroger, as you know, has the Simple Truth brand. And uh, in September, they added meatless burgers and grinds and plant-based bolognese and, and, you know, whole aligning with the trend towards natural organic products and you know meat substitutes right they're added high quality products to their simple truth brand i talked about our family shopping at uh, uh, trader joe's they're a private brand focused uh, retailer that has built great loyalty with their shoppers through their private brand portfolio so no accident at all has been a consistent long-term investment that has paid off for retailers So I want to talk a little bit more about that investment because it's not, um, you know, you mentioned Simple Truth. We know Albertsons has, you know, organics. Um, But so there's different tiers, actually, of of some of these private brands. You've got your value, maybe your compared to national, your premium, and now the natural or or organic. Um, So those vary, you know, at price points and stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Because I would think, again, being in a recession, you know, lots of people are unemployed. Um, Maybe those value brands are doing better. So talk about the tiers a little bit. 
Yeah. So as, as you talked about it, right, there's, uh, there's a value tier, there's a mainstream tier, and then there are premium tiers, especially those focused on natural organic products, right? And a few years back, or as private, you know, when private brands took off at that time called private label, it was just one item that you could compare to a national brand that had the same ingredients that was at a significantly lower price. As retailers invested, you know, and started to manage their private brands like a brand, they have built better quality into the products, better packaging, and invested in, in those higher value tiers. And that's that premiumization of private brands is what drove a significant part of the growth in the last few years, even through a recession to a certain degree, right? And and uh, it built a lot of loyalty with the younger shoppers. Um, now, in a recession, we do always see the value tier and the mainstream tiers growing more, and we're beginning to see that in this recession, right? Um, but in the last time, it's not that those were the only areas that grew. You know, people are looking for a treat. People are looking for higher quality products and private brands can serve as a good alternative for treats and, and you know, great products, even in the premium segments, right? And we are seeing with shoppers, there's great loyalty, right? From our Consumer Connect surveys, we know that 60% of consumers across all cohorts feel that private brands are of equal or better quality. Interestingly, millennials had the strongest perception of private brand quality over the past few years, and Gen Zers have the strongest perception of value of private brands. So they're they're building, they have built real loyalty and a strong perception with the with the growing generation. That is interesting, and it kind of speaks to what I want to ask now about what you've seen during the pandemic, because you've got, as you said. Um, different elements of private brands have really resonated with different consumers. And right now, we are there's a startling difference in what our consumers look like, kind of the haves and the have-nots, which also plays across private brands. So I'm guessing that this is part of what sparked you know, your curiosity to dig into this, to learn more about what's happening during the pandemic. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it was really interesting, as I said, coming out of our meeting with that retail client, I, I, you know, I started with a couple of folks on my team digging into what was going on. And at the start of the year, private brands were continuing to outpace national brands, as I said, in 50 out of the 70 aisles. Then we had this chaotic couple of months in March and April, and private brands overall in the store continued to outpace, right? Then we started running to out of stock, all kinds of issues. But what we saw, interestingly, is in June and July, the trends reversed. National brands overall have outpaced private brands across the store. Again, some differences by department, but that statistic that I had shared earlier that even up to January of this year, that private brands outpaced national brands in 50 of 70 aisles, that is reversed now. National brands are outpacing private brands in 53 out of the 70 aisles in the store. It's a reversal. So, okay, let's talk about some of those aisles um, and kind of like a before and after of where those were. Because if private brand growth was outpacing um, national brand in 50 of 70 aisles, 
what were there like some specific trends? Were there some specific aisles that we were looking at where private brands did so well? And then conversely, what are we seeing now? What what happened? Yeah. So traditional strongholds uh, for private brands <clears throat> have been things like dairy, shelf-stable fruits, fruit juices, uh, frozen beverages, right? And those those are are aisles and categories that private brands have traditionally outperformed national brands. Those have all flipped to national brands in the last couple of months. Now, two months is not a long-term trend, but we have not, and we tracked this week over week, we have not seen that kind of a trend flip in the last three years, right? Similarly, in, uh, in the non-edible products, uh, we have seen office supplies, first aid, health remedies, household cleaning, again, all traditional strongholds for private brands flip to national brands. Now, there are some categories and aisles that have always been national brand strongholds and they continue to do well, like tobacco, or feminine products, or shaving, and um, CSD, or um, soft drinks, right? Right, okay. And I can totally see that. I mean, you know, we track um, new product pace setters every year, and some of those categories are definitely always up there as like those top brands that people are looking at. Um, but and, and, it's, and it's not that private, so private brands are still growing, right? It's just that the pace has increased, right? So in the last couple of months, national brands grew at about 10.5% versus private brands at uh, 8.5% roughly. And in units, 4% growth for national brands versus 2% for private brands. That's a significant difference. Well, and I would say both of them are at levels that are elevated compared to pre-COVID, which I think is important. Um, but as you said, you know, we would have anticipated that private brand would have done so much better. So could part of this be a supply issue? Um, you know, I'm thinking that maybe some of those national brands were the ones that were on the shelves compared to um, private brands. Yes, yeah, supply certainly has been a major factor, right? <clears throat> Uh, through through the pandemic and continues to be right. Overall, we know that in stock levels, uh, as tracked by the IRI daily out of stock tracker, um, is running at about ninety one percent overall in the store. That is a good five percent plus worse than it was pre pandemic. So, and in in a in a high demand scenario, five percent you know worse. It was a lot worse in the panic buying months, but it's stabilized, but still significantly worse. So we know supply is an issue. Uh, there are some categories where supply is much worse for private brands versus uh, national brands, especially in, in cleansing products, you know, hand, hand sanitizers and so on. And then there are others where supply is better for private brands, right? And one of the other complicating factors of this is that in, in many cases, the private brands are produced by national brand, brand suppliers, which complicates the thing. So clearly supply is a factor, right? Uh, we in this environment. The other thing we've heard interestingly from uh, from a number of our retailers is with uh, with the need for greater spacing in the store, clearing up of aisles to give space for people to walk and uh, avoid crowding, in-aisle displays have been reduced significantly or taken out in many cases. So, And those in-aisle displays were an opportunity to promote both national brands 
uh, and private brands. And so as those have gone away, the place for promotions now are the end caps, right? And many cases, those are uh, investments made by national brands as part of their, um, you know, you know, engagement with the retailer or partnership with the retailer to promote their products. So private brands have naturally lost, um, we believe, lost display space in the store, which also affects the ability to promote and and, and engage the consumer. Right? Yeah, you can, I could see that less real estate in the store, but you know, even as we mentioned earlier, people are sticking to their list. They're making a beeline. So I would imagine that they're not going to be even looking around in aisle. Um, yeah. At best, they might even drive by or, or whip by some of those displays, and that's the kind of stuff that they're quickly pulling off the shelves um, yeah. on their way to a different category. Yeah. And a couple of other things, too. We are seeing you know, the, the, other, the other clear trend as a result of the pandemic is the reduction of SKUs in the store, right, to focus on the few high-demand SKUs. And in looking at the SKU counts, private brands have seen much larger decline in SKU counts versus national brands. So in some categories, there's been close to a 25% reduction in private brand SKUs, but national brand SKUs, maybe a few percent. So that, you know, when there's less items to shop, that affects as well, right? And we're seeing prices you know, of, nas- of private brands, the increase in private brand, overall, there's inflation in the store. But we've over the last couple of months, especially, we've seen the increase in private brand prices to be higher. And they are getting to a point where the price gap between private brands and national brands is narrowed. That also affects choice. Well, you know, and this kind of takes us into maybe a rabbit hole of a discussion, but um, there is an opportunity online, you know, almost like the endless aisle type of thing where people are, there are so many behaviors that are just now shifting to e-commerce and a lot of retailers are quickly throwing resources and really investing in that. Take a cue from Amazon and start putting your store brands at the forefront of some of those searches. Um, what a great way to get noticed and to promote your products. I mean, one thing, and this is maybe semi-related, um, I saw this uh, HEB um, out of Texas had a big promotion to support local food banks by buying some of the HEB um, private brand products. So you buy a private brand product and you're literally supporting the Texas food bank. And it's like, that was ingenious. And it's, um, I know Amazon too has something where you can buy online. I don't, I would imagine just because of how Amazon operates that they're going to put a lot of their private brands at the forefront of that, but also to support food banks, um, which I just think is kind of genius. So it's an on, online and um, private brand friendly promotion, if you will. Very clever. I agree. So we've talked a little bit about some of those aisles and categories um, and what has flipped. But now, if we could, can we talk a little bit about some of the channels shopped? I mean, you know, we've already talked grocery. We've talked a little bit about Trader Joe's. Um, but tell me what's happening with some of the other channels out there and private brands. Yeah, there are significant differences by channel, right? You know, this trend where we saw national brands outgrow or outpace private brands in the last couple of months seem to have impacted grocery more. And in digging into a little bit more, it, even the larger grocers more so than the smaller grocers, right? Um, 
the uh, do dollar channel has gained overall. Um, and, you know, back to my example early on that what, what started this whole investigation or analysis was, uh, you know, a client um, uh, that, that, you know, that's in the value channel had a better stock of their uh, private brands uh, through the pandemic and, you know, uh, period than the national brand, right? So we know that the, the value channels are doing better. Interestingly, we are not seeing this reversal in the, in the internet, in, in the internet channel. Private brands have continued to outpace national brands in online, even in the last couple of months, right? Maybe Back to your to point. Yes. Right, right. You can find the product. Um, you know, it's being promoted more. So back to your earlier point about that's a great way to continue to drive awareness and promote private brands when you don't have, you know, space in the store. So for some of those larger retailers, do you think that it was just a factor of trying to get product on the shelves, kind of took their eye off the private brand ball? Or what do you anticipate? I know we talked a little bit about supply chain, but tell me if what yeah. happened there. Well, so there, we talked about a number of factors that are affecting this um, and, and playing into it, right? But overall, overall, when we've thought about it and talked to some of our clients, you know, one of the things we know is that when the pandemic hit, retailers really focused on get, keeping the shelves stocked, keeping their employees safe, rightly so, kudos to them, and just feeding the nation, making things available, right? So it's not surprising that they likely took their focus off of the developing and promoting their private brands and they're like whatever product we have from our national brand partners let's just get that on the shelf because people just need to buy product right and that so potentially that refocusing of where retailers invested their time through the pandemic or the early months of the pandemic is now playing out in the last couple of months where in stock levels you know, space, number of items on shelf are are much lower for private brands than they are for national brands. And you see this reversal, right? And so it's important for retailers to think about now that there's a little bit more stability, whether there's a second wave or not, depending on how it plays out, right? It's important for them to think about their private brands because it is a significant loyalty builder for those that manage private brands better. And you know, again, going back to the recession, um, we are at a time when shoppers need support and they need to know that they've got a retailer that, that has their back. Um, so right now, we're still waiting for a second round of stimulus. Um, Congress is still debating it. We know there was an executive order on August 8th um, uh, saying that, you know, an additional $400 in unemployment, weekly unemployment benefits would be available um, 300 of that through the federal government, 100 through the states. So, you know, states are kind of playing for that. Um, but still, you know, here we are on August 21st, and there's still no additional dollars out there. So what, give us a sense of what that, what impact that will have on this market and, and for private brands. Yeah, as you said, uh, so, you know, so clearly, right, as you described so clearly, shopper wallets are extremely stressed, right? And there's a ton of uncertainty 
into the future as well with a pandemic and the economic environment. So it is really important for retailers and CPGs alike to think about price to value. Value obviously is different for different individuals, but also very different for different cohorts of people, right? Those that are economically doing better off maybe or have jobs, they may worry less about price and maybe willing to invest in, you know, higher price products, but the, especially the cash strapped shoppers that are depending on, on, on the economic stimulus are going to be looking much harder at price. So if retailers, especially in grocery, are not focused on the right combination of products at the right price point to keep and retain their shoppers, they're going to switch over uh, to other channels, right? As a colleague of mine uh, described to me recently, right, he's saying he was talking about how he drives from home to the grocery store. He gets to um, a, a, a traffic light and he can turn left to his normal grocery store or he can turn right to another uh, another store and another channel, right? And he typically turns left, but when they started to run out of stock for some of his products, he turned right and went to the other place and now he keeps going right. So how do retailers working with their private brand portfolio and their CPG port, uh, you know, national brands make sure that this shopper turns left the next time, not right, and bring their shoppers back in store and retain them? Well, and another challenge there is that right now you have a lot of these national brands that because of the the stockpiling, because of you know the increased purchases, have really decided to trim their their assortment, trim their SKUs, and focus on those top selling products. And to me, I you know we we talk often that this is a great opportunity for some of those smaller players to come in, but I also see it as a great opportunity for own brands to come in and maybe fill some of those gaps. Um, so is that something? I mean, how do you even if we've just talked about some of these retailers kind of taking their eye off the ball a little bit, now how do we get them to like step up and review their own assortment? Yeah. And it also ties back to the point of innovation. I think that's another point, right? How do, <clears throat> how do private brands and retailers and what's, you know, how do you innovate to bring the shopper back and retain the shopper as well, right? So we know that meal solutions and meal kits were a big thing uh, prior to the pandemic, right? People were, you know, their shoppers still are focused on fresh foods, healthy foods, but there was a lot of investment in meal solutions where you walk into a store and there's a combination of items that you can just put in a, in a basket and take home with a recipe right there to prepare a meal quickly. A lot of that space has gone away. Fresh prepared foods have gone away, right? The focus has been on shelf-stable products, right? And those meal solutions and meal kits were a real stronghold for private brands. So chopped vegetables packaged nicely in, in the retailer's private brand with a pasta, maybe the private brand, right? With a pasta sauce, maybe a national brand, right? But that kind of, uh, you know, that is a great opportunity. Consumers have been cooking at home not having the opportunity to eat out. It's been great. There's a lot of baking, but people are also getting tired of it at some level, right? They're looking for ease as people, you know, get back to work maybe or schools reopen even if online, right? So it's a great opportunity for retailers to reinvest in their private brand portfolio and think about how to, you know, bring the, the shopper back and retain the shopper and grow their share of wallet. 
You know, um, there's a retailer in my area called Standard Market, and for years they've had a what's for dinner, kind of a big wall um, space, and they are meals um, to go, like for, you know, semi-prep at home, but mostly prepared. Um, And it's almost like in a shopping bag, not unlike what you would see for takeout. And it is absolutely brilliant, and it definitely does drive a lot of loyalty to that store because they do such a nice job. Um, so I would I agree with you. Some of the other things that we've seen um, in private brand around innovation are things like even CBD products, you know, emerging market, and plant-based meats um, is another one. So I agree with you in terms of like some of these fresher items, solutions. I love the whole idea of solutions. You know that. Can you give us some ideas of maybe categories that you've seen where um, you think that retailers, again, could really play well in with their own brands? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked a little while back about the traditional strongholds for private brands, right? Um, be that shelf-stable vegetables or fruit juices, the perimeter of the store, right, is all a great opportunity, right? Now, the perimeter still exists, right? But um, a lot of the fresh prepared has gone away, right? The packaged meal solutions have gone away, right? So I think um, both on the non-edible side and the edible side, some of the strong, traditional strongholds for private brands, where private brands built a reputation, had great products, right? Are places for retailers to come back and say, okay, let's refocus and re-energize, make sure we're not, we don't continue to lose ground in 50 out of the 70 aisles in the store, right? And, you know, start to in reinvest in growth uh, in some of those traditional strongholds and then build on the types of innovation that you are talking about, Joan. Right. So we've got, and I think that you even said this, it's like you've got the, the innovation from the retailer of almost curating the right assortment, whether it's own brands or national brands. And I think that that's probably like the key to a really successful program Anyway, is this juggling of national and private brands? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think the, the, the pandemic has, none of us would have wanted this to happen. But in the CPG retail world, it has created this huge churn of shoppers, right? People trying products that they stopped buying in you know a while back because you know they they were more focused on health or or perceived some products to be to not be as strong on the on the health dimension, but there's been a ton of trial trial of new products trial of new retailers and and as uh, one of my colleagues in the media site said, no amount of advertising or promotion could have created the kind of trial that we have. Now, the trick for retailers and CP national brands, so private brands and national brands, is how do we retain the shoppers that have tried our product, right? So for retailers, they need to think about what role their private brand played in building loyalty and regain some of the lost ground. Not saying that national brands do play a role in the retailer's portfolio, as you said, in curating the total assortment, but it feels like they've dropped the ball or, or you know, taken their eye away from private brands. So it's important to refocus, right? For national brands, it's a great opportunity for the first time in, in a long time, national brands are outpacing private brands in many traditional strongholds, right? So how do they maintain and grow that, um, 
you know, not give up that, uh, you know, that gain they have had, not just in store, but online as well. Think about the broader um, omni-channel opportunity. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, Korean, this has, again, been a, a fast fast and fabulous conversation with you. Um, so I just want to recap some of the things that, that we, we talked about. And really, I think that at the end of the day, it is a, you know, in the big game of private brand versus national brand, it is a balance, you know, of, of for the retailer of trying to find the right balance. But we know that moving into a recession, and we learned this from the last recession, that private brands are well positioned. Um, they, they could be that point of differentiation um, for getting someone into the store. And because we have that bifurcation of the population, premium still plays very well, um, just as much as and as important as value is going to be for some of those cash strapped households. Um, and it's that combination of um, focusing on the right price, the overall value, defining your value because it doesn't necessarily mean cheap. Um, I mean, you even defined your own, your own definition of value at the beginning that I like is, you know, price is in there, but it's really about the experience and the quality that you're getting and the sense of discovery that you can take home to your family. Um, and that there are still opportunities, particularly online, for retailers to, to promote their products and um, help consumers discover their products and what they have to offer. So I think circling all around, it, it really just comes back to that balance. Um, so with that, I want to say thank you again for your time, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, John. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.